0: Congregation, how are you this year? I've been told you are the most beautiful congregation of them all. Um, but uh, Gabe is in the being, and uh, myself and my wife, I am the husband of one wife. Um, and if you, you look at me, you look at her, you'll know that God's grace is very, very good and very, very kind. But uh, we leave the evening meeting together with Mark in our temporary location. So basically, we did a trade of a passes today. One skinny white guy for another skinny white guy. And Gabe is a, a PM tonight. So you got me. You stuck with me. But I'm so excited for this series. It is, uh, my heart is just excited to see what God is going to do through the series. But as Britain, said, we are in our Jesus Unfiltered series. And last week, we looked at the character of Nicodemus. And it was this... Religious guy who knew a lot about the Bible, who knew a lot about the scriptures, but who actually just couldn't see Jesus clearly. And Jesus took him on a journey of bringing light in his spiritual darkness, and he actually transformed Nicodemus's life. So much so that Nicodemus stood up to the Pharisees, his own group, and then he was at Jesus' tomb, and he was the man who purchase a whole bunch of embalming fluids and burial um, um, perfumes to wrap Jesus' body in, And we see in that story how Jesus takes a person and transforms them. But tonight we're also going to look at another character. We're going to look at the character of the woman at the well. And I want us to pay special attention to Jesus' interaction with her. But first, we're going to put, put a picture up on the screen. And I want to ask, what do you think of when you think of Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? See, we have this wonderful uh, picture, this painting, and this portrait throughout time. Jesus has been portrayed as this ethereal figure, this figure who's in the distance, but this figure with a halo who will look down at you and will judge your rights and wrongs. This is not This is a very vanilla Jesus, basically. And this isn't the time when Jesus is going to get into your mouth, get into your dust, get into your dirt. This isn't the Jesus who healed me from depression. This isn't the Jesus who's going to set you free from addiction. This is a very distant Jesus. This is the type of Jesus that we can put filters on. This is the type of Jesus where we get a snippet of him on Instagram. We see a snippet on social media. And then we can put our own personal filters on. We can view him through our own personal identities. And this is a Jesus who is far distant from us. But that is not the Jesus of the Bible today. And it's not the Jesus who encounters the women at the well tonight. So what I want you to, what I want to ask is for you to open up your hearts. Will you allow Jesus to speak? But will you allow your view and your lens of Jesus to be changed tonight? Because I believe that he's wanting to do things with us. See, we don't serve an ethereal Jesus up in the sky. We serve a Jesus who gets in the dope, dirt, in the dust, in our muck, in our mess, and he transforms our lives. But we're going to read from John chapter 4. I I ask you maybe turn there in your Bible or you can get your smartphone out and you can go to the U Version app. But we're going to read a bunch of scripture tonight. So, John chapter 4, verse 1 to 26 I know it's five words, but we're going to go for it. Okay. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again but whoever drinks the water i give them will never thirst indeed the water i give them will become in them a spring of water filling up to eternal life that's what we want the woman said to him sir give me this water so that i won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water she was in he told her go call your husband and come back i have no husband she replied Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What, happened, what you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. We're going to stop there. Let's pray. Right. Yeah, thank you, Father, just for your goodness, but I thank you that you will pour out your spirit to. May we see you in truth. May we see you in fullness. I pray, Jesus, that you get into each and every one of our hearts. I pray, Jesus, that we will see you clearly tonight. but that you will pour your spirit out on every person in this place, Lord. That we will see your fullness. That we will have fullness in you, Lord. And that we won't leave here unchanged. That you will get into every bit of our lives, Lord. but that you will transform it for your gospel, for your grace, for your glory. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. So just some context to what is happening here in these passages of Scripture is that the Samaritans were hated by the Jewish people. Essentially what happened is that the nation of Assyria came to Jerusalem, came to the northern kingdom of Israel and uh, conquered them and took them out of their land and uh, also conquered the nation of Samaria and that land, and then the Babylonians came and also conquered them. But what you saw happening was that the best Jews, the Jews of substance, were sent back to Jerusalem to worship in the temples, to uh, be with their people. But the other Jews actually married people from foreign lands, worshiped foreign gods in Samaria, and had all these different idols and these different religions and these different cultures. And it was basically a melting pot of different races, different religions, and different backgrounds. So the Jews thought them as lesser. They thought them as a half-breed type of person. That is how deep their hatred for the Samaritans was. They hated them, and they even hated them so much that they prayed to God that God would never answer the Samaritans' prayers, or that they would not go to heaven and be forgiven of their sins. That is how much the Jews despised the Samaritans. So for Jesus to speak to a Samaritan woman is significant. It is significant, it stands out, but it shows us that Jesus knows no cultural boundaries, he knows no racial boundaries, he knows no prejudices or walls like that. He wants to speak to every person in the room tonight. And so Jesus has a plan. See, he didn't have to go through Samaria, but we're going to get there later. But Jesus has a plan for this woman, and he seeks her out. He goes to a while. he positions himself for an encounter of grace with this woman, and it breaks every boundary, and she is perplexed as to why Jesus, this person, this Jew, would speak to her. But it shows us something about Jesus, and it brings me to my first point, is that Jesus is purposeful. See Jesus purposely positioned himself for this encounter of grace. Jesus had a plan for the Samaritan woman an outcast, a person who others would not associate with from the beginning of time. See, Jesus has a plan for you and me from the beginning of time. His plan was perfect. His plan was purposeful. It was persistent, but he always had a plan to redeem the world towards him. See, in John 1, 9... And 14 to 6, it says this, The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as only the Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then it goes on to say, For from his fullness we all have received grace upon grace. I don't know what this week has been like. I don't know what this year has been like. I don't know what's happening in your lives right now. But what I know is that I need grace upon grace for my story. I need grace upon grace to get up in the morning and keep on going. I need grace upon grace to trust Jesus. I need grace upon grace to trust Jesus that I would pay off my debt. I need grace upon grace to trust Jesus that I would be healed of depression. I need grace upon grace. And that is on offer for you tonight. See, the original word that it says he dwelt among us, the word became flesh and it dwelt among us is this word tabernacle. And the tabernacle in the uh, Old Testament was the dwelling place of God's glory. They would make a tent and they would pitch a tent and inside was the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy of Holies and basically that was the place where they experienced God's presence in fullness. Only the temple priest could go in and he would have to do all these rites and all these rituals to be cleansed of his sin because a sinful person could not go into the presence of God or they would be struck down dead. And so what Jesus is doing here is he is saying the word became flesh and tabernacled amongst us. He became flesh and the presence of God came into our dust, our darkness, so that we could experience his glory and his presence in fullness through Jesus Christ. And so what it shows is that he's bridging the gap again. He's bridging the gap between Samaritans and Jews, but he's bridging the gap between us, our sin, our brokenness, and his glory. And Jesus is pursuing you before you ever thought of pursuing him. And so it shows that Jesus is purposeful in his planning from day one. From the beginning of creation, Jesus always had a plan to pursue you. He always had a plan for you to experience his presence And so Jesus is purposeful in his pursuit, but he's also purposeful in his presence. It says this in verse 4, now he had to go through Samaria. That phrase is untrue. It's not true in the Bible. Jesus did not have to go through Samaria. The quickest way to Galilee, where Jesus was going, was actually around Samaria. And the Jews would often travel around Samaria because they did not want to go through that country. They did not want to um, experience the traditions. They did not want to engage with the people of the day. So they often went around Samaria, and it was actually the quickest route. But Jesus went through Samaria. Why? Because he was purposeful in his planning, and he had to meet a woman at the well. Because he had to see a life transformed. And on the back of that life transformed, many lives were being shaped and transformed. And Jesus had a plan from the beginning. See, for you tonight, I want you to know that Jesus has a plan for your life. Jesus has a purpose for your life, and you need to just be there and engage with him. It's so so encouraging to our hearts to know that Jesus pursues us first. That should encourage you tonight. That, That should get you out of your seat, city congregation. Jesus pursues you first before you ever think of engaging with him. See, notice what Jesus did. First, he goes through Samaria Secondly, he sends the disciples away to get food, unclean food made by Samaritans. I guarantee you that would have sent the disciples into a bit of a frenzy. You want us to do what? But he sends all 12. I don't know if you've ever tried to go shopping with 12 people. Just just picture that for a second, going to the shops with 12 people. All 12 did not have to go, but he sent all 12 away so that he could have this meeting with the woman at the well. See, Jesus is purposeful. And I want to take a moment here to, to highlight one fact. is Jesus was also tired. He was tired and he sat at a well. See, what that shows us is that Jesus was fully God but fully human. He experienced our humanity. He experienced tiredness. Why? Because he is a personal God. He is a relational God. He's not an ethereal God way up there, but he's a God who experienced every burden, every temptation that we experience, but conquered it because he is God. And so he sat at this well, tired, the same God who breathed creation into existence, the same God who's speaking over your life tonight, sat at a well, tired, because he could have an engagement with a woman there, a conversation with a woman that would lead to much life. And so we see this Jesus who is personal. We see this Jesus who is real. We see this Jesus who isn't distant, but who's up close and wants to engage with us. See, it shows Jesus' love for the world. Jesus' love knows no bounds, knows no cultural barriers, knows no distinction between race or gender or what you have done or what you are going to do. Jesus' love is for all. And that is the truth of the gospel. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? for Jews do not associate with Samaritans." Two things, she was a Samaritan and she was a woman. She was a Samaritan despised by the Jews, but she was also a woman who in those days, in that historical context, would have been lesser than. They would have been marginalized, and often in those times, the um, women would have gone all together to the well in the morning to gather water because it was a social interaction, it was for protection. But we see this woman go in the heat of the day by herself, and what that tells us about her is that she is an outcast, and she has isolated herself from her community, she has no one, she doesn't want to associate with people, there's shame, there's brokenness attached there, but Jesus goes to this person, this marginalized person, this outcast, this isolated individual, and he is saying, I want to bring life in this story, and that is the same Jesus who is speaking to you tonight, See, Jesus engages with the persons on the margins. God's design in the Bible is that we come to know him and that we come to know ourselves through him. See, Jesus' conversation with this woman shows that he is pursuing her Don't overlook who he is speaking to. He is speaking to this woman who is an outcast. He is speaking to this woman who is a Samaritan, who is despised by others. And he is speaking to this woman who has brokenness attached to the story. Jesus is purposeful in his pursuit of her. But he's not only purposeful, he is also persistent. And that brings me to point number two. Jesus is persistent in his pursuit. And as we continue reading this uh, scripture, as we continue uh, looking at this character of the woman at the well, we see that Jesus wants to get into her inner life. Jesus doesn't just want to uh, cope with the surface level. He just doesn't want to do the surface level things and engage and ask her how her day is and go off. No, he wants to get into her inner life. Why? Because he wants to bring her living water, which cleanses the inside, not water which is just for her thirst. See, he wants to get into our lives. He wants to know every part of our lives and bring light and bring fullness into every aspect of our lives. See, this living water isn't about our outside. It is about our inside. So Jesus is wanting us to drink with our heart, not with our mouths. He was dealing with her deep inner life and her needs. But she, at first, doesn't let him do this. Let's see what she says. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to to eternal life. Then this woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and I have to keep coming here to draw water. She wanted the water. She was in. She said yes. She's like, I want that thing. Come on, Jesus, give me that water. I'm in. I'm ready. I'm positioned. I'm thirsty. Give me that water that you have. But see what Jesus does here. He doesn't just leave it surface level. He goes, go call your husband. That's not a great pastoral moment by Jesus, eh? If the disciples were there, I can be, ah, Jesus, not again. Why did you have to mention the husband, man? This isn't great for our brand, Jesus. Why did you have to go there? Just don't mention it. Just don't go there. You did it again, man. But what he does is he asks this question. Why? Because he knows that there is something deeper. He knows that she is trying to hide something. He knows that she is trying to keep something from him. See, we all have a husband in our lives that we are trying to keep hidden. We all have a husband that we don't want other people to see. And for some, that husband may be addiction. For others, that husband may be debt that is piling up that we don't want anyone to know about. For some, it may be a hookup culture that we just can't get free of. For me, it was depression. And Jesus is showing us that he wants to bring that out into the light, and he wants to restore that to fullness. See, Jesus knows that the only way that she can encounter this living water, the only way that she can encounter this water in fullness is for him to transform her from the inside out. He doesn't just want to wash her outside. He doesn't want to present her clean on the outside to the rest of the community. He wants her changed from the inside out so that she will be transformed forevermore. And he wants that for you tonight. See, Jesus wants us to respond. He wants us to respond to this question. He wants us to respond to this living water. And so the response is yours to have. How are you going to respond tonight to this water? How are you going to respond to what Jesus is speaking over your life tonight? Are you going to try and dodge the question like the woman at the well? Or are you going to engage with your Savior who is face to face with you? And so she says this, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. I love the sarcasm here. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. See, we all have that thing that we want to keep hidden, and we all have that thing that we want to keep in the darkness. But as we learned last week, is that Jesus is wanting to bring light into the darkness. When I was around five, is uh, my mother had a very, very precious lamp, and my mother happens to be here tonight. So she had a very precious lamp, and I don't know if she knows this, but um, as kids do, I was playing in the house, and um, I, I think I actually was chasing my cat, as boys do, um, and I happened to bump over this lamp, and the first thing that I thought is, how am I going to fix this? I was five years old at the time, but this lamp was precious. It looked like it had been on the um, set of Blown Away on Netflix. It was flipping beautiful. But the problem is that I, there was mess on the floor. There was glass on the floor. There was brokenness. I didn't know what to do. I was five years old, and I was just trying to make a plan. I'm like, okay, if I do my taxes correct, then maybe I'll get enough money to pay off the lamp. And, but I, I didn't know what to do. And, but I was so fearful of my mother coming home. I was so fearful of that conversation. And now, I can't even remember what that conversation was. But so often we get so fearful of that conversation with Jesus. We get so fearful of others seeing that broken glass on the floor. We get so fearful of allowing Jesus into that space And why? Because there's shame attached to that. Why? Because we don't believe that that ethereal Jesus who we saw the picture of would be a Jesus that could get into our dirt, who would be the Jesus that could see our brokenness and be okay with it and want to transform us. We can't deal with that ethereal picture of Jesus, but I promise you tonight that that is not the Jesus we serve. That Jesus, we serve, wants to get into your brokenness. He wants to get into your shame. He wants to get into your darkness and your dirt. And he wants to bring living water to that. See, we aren't entirely sure what happened with the woman. But what we do know is probably two things. Either she was incredibly promiscuous, and she had five husbands. She, had, uh, she couldn't divorce them because women couldn't divorce them in those days. And they had divorced her, but she's now sleeping with her boyfriend or she has had five husbands who had been wedded, and there's pain, there's brokenness attached to the story. But I don't want us to focus there. What I do want us to focus on is that she's lived a hard life. She's lived a tough life. But there's a Samaritan woman in each and every one of our lives. See, in some way, we are all like the Samaritan woman because we want to keep something hidden. But Jesus is persistent. He keeps on asking the question. He keeps on pursuing her. He keeps on seeking her. But there's this amazing uh, preacher by the name of Matt Chandler, and he has this statement. If you are 99% known, you are unknown. If you are 99% known, you are unknown. What is that 1% that you are keeping away? What is that 1% that you are keeping from Jesus? What is that 1% that it will bring you to fullness in community? What is that 1%? That will allow you to wake up feeling joyous. What is that 1% that you do not want anyone to see that Jesus is wanting to restore tonight? See, we all have a 1%. But until we allow Jesus into the unknown, we cannot experience the fullness of his grace, the fullness of his love, and the fullness of his affection. My heart for us tonight is that you experience Jesus in fullness, guys. City congregation, I was here in the beginning of the launch of the city, five weeks before COVID. Who would have thought that we would have planted a church five weeks before COVID? Great planning strategy. But I saw 450 people in this building, and this building is a testament to God's goodness. This was the first building where slaves worshipped in South Africa. This is the first building where there was a hippie revival in the 1960s, and they saw revival in Cape Town because of God's goodness in this building. And I want to say is, will we rise up to that standard? Will we rise up to the Jesus who wants to bring fullness to our lives, wants to experience His glory, His presence in our lives, so that we can see His fullness and be transformed in Him? See, that is the Jesus we serve, and the enemy wants to weaponize that 1%. He wants weapon, weaponize that 1% to keep you isolated, to keep the woman at the well isolated, to keep her in her sin, to keep her in her brokenness, to keep her uh, fighting the traditions between the Jews and the Samaritans, but actually do not let the enemy weaponize that 1% tonight. Bring that 1% to Jesus and allow Him to transform it. See, He wants to bring streams of living water into your life tonight, streams of of living water, and that is not dependent on your goodness, it is not dependent on your abilities, it's not dependent on your parsons, what you watched last night, it's not dependent on how you will fall one day, it is only dependent on His goodness, because He is a good Savior. See, not only is Jesus purposeful, not only is Jesus persistent, but He is perfect. Our Savior that we serve, our Savior that we come to, is perfect. And he is offering that perfect living water to you tonight. See, in verse 21, when she tries to sorry, verse 19, she says, "Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet." She knows that he can see into her life. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and the truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks, God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. What does she do when Jesus mentions her adultery? She goes, ah, good question, but uh, why can't I worship where you, where you guys worship? See, she dodges the question entirely. He tries to mention her sin, that actually she goes, no, I don't want to talk about that. Nah. Hey, what do you believe about homosexuality in church? Hey, let's mention another topic. Or, hey, yeah, okay, okay, I know I'm struggling with pornography, but, uh, but you made me this way. If you made me this way, you must be okay with it, and we dodge with theology. See, we dodge, and we distance ourselves from Jesus, and we lay these arguments and we great keyboard warriors on Facebook but actually we don't want to fight the demons inside and we don't want to allow Jesus in and we try and distance ourselves because we don't want him to see the muck, we don't want him to see the dirt we don't want him to see the brokenness and we want to keep that one percent hidden behind ourselves but Jesus is wanting to bring fullness and he's wanting to bring a hundred percent even when we bring zero percent to the table that is the glory of covenant. Even when we give 0% in our brokenness, in our treasury, treacher- uh, in our sin and death, He came to earth. He died on the cross. He gave 100% even when we brought 0%. And that is what Jesus is wanting to do tonight. And so this woman finally relents. She finally sees Him, but she doesn't seem full. But she says this, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Pay close attention to this. There are seven I am he's in the the book of John. And this is Jesus saying that he is God. He is showing that He is Yahweh, the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who is everlasting, the God who was in the beginning, is now, and is to come. He is showing her that He is that same God who breathed existence into life, is breathing new life into her. That same God who breathed existence into life is breathing new life into you tonight. And He is saying, I am He. I am He who is going to give you love. I am He who is going to show you grace. I am He who will cleanse you from your past. Your, past sin, your present sin and your future sins. I am He who will establish your future. I am He who is breathing life into you into the present. I am He who pursued you in the past. I am He, Jesus. And that is the Jesus who is speaking over you tonight. And I want to encourage us will we respond to Jesus tonight? Will we respond to that Jesus who is pursuing you? That Jesus who is purposeful? That Jesus who is persistent? And that Jesus who is perfect? See, at this point, she doesn't even understand it fully. But what Jesus is trying to show is this picture of creation where there was rivers of living water flowing from the Garden of Eden because that's where God's presence was. Where there is rivers of living water flowing in our lives, that is where God's presence is. And so God is with us. Know tonight, City Congregation, that Jesus pursues you, that Jesus is purposeful, that Jesus is persistent, and that Jesus is perfect he doesn't, doesn't just expose her sin and leave her there. He doesn't just expose her sin and allow um, her community to see her. No, he exposes her sin, but then he transforms her. He exposes her sin, and he uses that for his glory. And it says this in the final verse of this evening, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did, she said. Can we stand this evening? See, we all have a response on hearing the word preached. But I believe that just as this woman had a response, that she allowed Jesus into her brokenness, she allowed Jesus into her shame, but she allowed Jesus to transform and heal. She allowed Jesus to restore. She allowed Jesus to get into the 1%. The 1%, the brokenness, the shame, that thing that you're trying to hide, that pornography addiction, the depression, the mental illness, the relationship you don't want anyone to know about, that 1% Jesus is wanting to restore. And we have two responses tonight, I believe. One, we have a response to allow Jesus into the 1%. And what I'm going to do, if you want, if there's a 1% that you're holding on to, just with all eyes closed, won't you place your hand on your heart? No one's looking. Only you and Jesus. And imagine that 1%. Imagine the darkness, imagine the brokenness attached to that. Imagine the shame that you don't want Anyone to see. But now you a drip of water. Just a drip. 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 And that drip gets quicker. That drip becomes stronger. That drip becomes a stream. And then that stream becomes a river. And that river becomes a flood. And it's Jesus' love. It's Jesus' affection for you. It's Jesus' grace just bringing light to your heart right now. It's Jesus' grace bringing fullness of His glory to your heart right now. And right now, I want you to know that Jesus has pursued you, that Jesus is bringing fullness to your life, that He is transforming you from the inside out and that He doesn't just want to cleanse you outside. He is purposeful in His plan, and He will see this to the end. He will see you become perfect in eternity. He will see you with Himself one day, and you will worship in fullness. You will be with Him, and you will experience His glory. Why? Because He is a good Savior. And so, Jesus, I pray a blessing over these people tonight. I pray that they will not leave you unchanged. I pray that they will know your fullness, that they will know your glory, that they will know your grace. They will know how much you love them. That just as you sat with a woman at the well in the heat of the day, that you are calling them and you want to engage with them tonight. That you want to get into the brokenness of their lives and you want to transform it for your gospel and for your glory. And there's one more response, I believe, that Jesus is calling us to. See, on the back of hearing this word, on the back of hearing and seeing Jesus the Messiah, this woman went to go tell a whole community about the goodness of God, about God's grace, the Messiah who is to come, the Messiah who has come, the Messiah who will bring everything to fullness and redemption. And so I want to ask you, if you're saying, I want to be that person, I want to go out and preach his gospel. I want to go out and show his grace. I want to go out and show his love to others. Won't you raise your hand here this evening? Amazing. Jesus, I pray an anointing over everyone in this room, Lord. I pray an anointing over everyone with raised hands, Lord that you will go before us, that you will lead us, that we will go in boldness, in power and authority because of the word of God, but because we have encountered you and we want to see others encounter you in fullness. We want to see others come to know you. We want to see other lives shaped and transformed for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to see dead people come to life and it starts with us. So right now, I pray that you pour out your spirit, Lord, that you are rising, sons and daughters to be leaders in their marketplace, sons and daughters to be leaders in their schools, sons and daughters to be leaders in their households, Lord, so that others can see your grace, see your glory, see your fullness, Lord, and that lives will be impacted just by them going, just by them saying yes, yes to this living water, but by that living water transforming their lives, and everyone around him seeing the truth and the Spirit of God. So we thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you are here in this place. We thank you that you are restoring right now mental illness right now. May it be abolished in the name of Jesus. Brokenness right now may it be restored by his blood. Don't leave the 1% here. Let his light into it, let him bring life to it from the inside out, for he is willing, he is able, and he is Jesus.